you're listening to Frankly with Faith. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Faith Tomlinson. I'm a soon-to-be expat who will be living in Saudi with my husband, Steve. I'm a professional housewife and expert in giving sass. I'll talk about the fun and excitement, the highs and the lows of being an expat. I'll discuss the misadventures of love and marriage. You'll hear me share some candid conversations about trauma, mental health, and other purposeful topics. I'll sprinkle in some news and gossip from around the world. This is Frankly with Faith. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Frankly with Faith. It's February and love is in the air. And this got me thinking about weddings and saying I do and just relationships in general. And of course, doing the nasty, bumping and grinding. I'm talking about sex, (laughs) y'all. But first, let's talk about weddings. I don't believe in a wedding season. I don't know. Do you? It just seems like weddings are always happening. Big ones, small ones, destination weddings, backyard weddings. And recently, I came across an article about a couple who set up a GoFundMe page to help pay for their wedding. Yes, you heard me correctly. Before we dive into that, I have a question for you. What do you think is the average cost of a wedding here in the U.S.? Think about it for a second. Get a number in your head. Okay, here goes. The average cost of a wedding in the U.S. stood at $33,391 as of 2017. And this is according to the Knotts 2017 Real Weddings Study. That's a lot of money. So what do you get for $33,000? What are you paying for? What does that go to? So let's take a look at that very quickly. So the venue, you're looking at $16,107. Photographer, $2,700. Reception, band, music, $4,100. A florist, a little over $2,500. A videographer, almost $2,000. A wedding dress, about $1,500. Groom's attire, almost $300. A wedding cake, you're looking at about $600. The ceremony site could run you anywhere between $2,000 to $2,100. Ceremony musicians, if you want those, about $800. Invitations, almost $500. Transportation, you're looking at about $1,000. Favors, you're looking at almost $300. Rehearsal dinner, another $1,300. The engagement ring is about $6,000. The officiant is another almost $300. Catering per person will run you about $70. Wedding day hair care, $120. And wedding day makeup, $100. Okay, so this is just a general breakdown, again, from the Not website from 2017 article. And... I don't know. Some of these prices I definitely don't agree with because I know I didn't pay some of these prices for the stuff that I got for my wedding. But these are just general numbers that they provided. And that's a lot of money. 
And so I found a website that offered the average cost of weddings in other countries as well. So let's take a look at that. So in the UAE, a wedding is going to cost you about $185,000. That's a lot of money, y'all. And in Australia, a wedding will cost you about $67,000. In the UK, you're looking at about $35,000. Let's see, in Kenya, you're looking at $34,000. Canada, you're looking at $23,000. And in Greece, it's going to run you, uh, let's say, $20,000. And couples in Spain can expect to spend about $20,000 as well. And a Chinese wedding will cost you around $12,000. I love that number. That sounds very practical. And last but not least, in Sri Lanka, you are looking at spending about $1,100. That price right there is the best one. Um, now let's talk about this couple. So I found this story on the New York Post website, and I absolutely love the New York Post. I go there every single day because I start my morning with the news and this is one of the websites that I go to every morning. So uh, this article is talking about a couple, uh, Natalie and Richard. They got engaged last January and then they quickly realized just how expensive their dream wedding would be. After saving for around a year, the Edinburgh, Scotland couple were still short about $5,800. So they decided to turn to crowdfunding. And this is what they had to say about it. She says, our GoFundMe page was shared with close friends and family as an option to send us some cash towards the cost rather than buying wedding presents we don't need. She also went on to say, we are not asking people to pay for our wedding. We have paid for two-thirds of it and counting over the last year through honest, hard work. And she doesn't stop there. GoFundMe has a specific section for newlyweds to list under so as not to detract from its other widely shared charitable causes. How thoughtful. And she wraps it up by saying, Our post was never aimed at the wider general public, and the platform was an easy way for us to receive funds from our close circle of friends and family. Everyone has different opinions and wants for their wedding, and we just planned ours how we wanted it. She also thanked suppliers who had already offered their services, I guess, after this story came out. And um, this is how I feel about it. I mean, I don't know about you. So let's dissect this. I know couples will create uh, a page for friends and family, you know, and wedding guests in general to chip in on the honeymoon. And I think that's totally okay. Um, That's that's a gift, you know, Um, and you can pick like different packages and things for the couple to enjoy. So it's not like you're they need your money. It's, It's like. I get what she's saying. It's in lieu of. So I understand that. And when it comes to a honeymoon, again, I'm okay with that. Um, But I just feel like if you can't pay for the actual wedding itself and you have to go to GoFundMe, then you should not be having the wedding. You need to postpone until you save more money. Um, Crowdsourcing, 
to pay for a wedding, I just think is tacky. And of course, when you get married, uh, brides and grooms tend to ask, you know, like maybe parents and close family if they're willing to help and with pay to pay for certain things, you know, maybe flowers or helping pay for the dress or things like that, that I understand. But expecting your or even wanting your guests to pitch in damn near $6,000 to pay for your wedding because you can't afford to finish paying for the wedding. To me, that's just a no, 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 no. Um, so I just think the, the campaign is just over the top and excessive and I hope they postpone it if they can't afford to finish paying off for the venue and things of that nature. Because if you've gotten married, you know you have to pay in full before the wedding day. So if they're $6,000 short, I don't see how this wedding is going to happen anyway. But that's just me. On to the next topic of the day. And let me just say this before we get into it. Warning, this next segment is for mature audiences only. So yeah, no kids, 18 and up only, please. Now, let's talk about sex. (laughs) I feel like talking about sex is so taboo. Um, And my close friends and people who really know me know that I don't have a problem talking about sex, ask my husband, ask my girlfriends, ask my therapist. I'm open when it comes to talking about sex. I feel like we should talk about sex more often. And I I think people would have better sex lives if everyone were talking about sex more openly. Um, Again, that's just how I feel. So I have a question for you. Think about this for a second. Is there a difference between having sex and making love? ponder that thought. So I found another article. And of course, it came from the New York Post living section. And so see, I told you I love the New York Post. (laughs) So this article elaborates on this distinction. It went on to say over half of Americans in a relationship are set to enjoy the best sex of the year this Valentine's Day, according to a new survey. Listen, I really hope we're not waiting to have the best sex that we're going to have all all year for February 14th. That's absurd, people. Um, You don't need to have outrageous sex every single day, but it shouldn't just be once a year. And I, I damn sure hope Steven is not holding out every year to give me all his good good in the best way that he can give it to me just for February 14th. No, sir. No, no, no. But that's just me. (laughs) Sorry, baby. Um, There was a recent new survey of 2000 Americans in a relationship conducted by one poll on behalf of sex toy brand Eden Fantasies. According to this survey, the participants said making love is very distinctly different from having sex. So say these results. For example, 
68% of Americans say making love is more passionate. And 54% say making love consists of a lot more eye contact. If my man's staring at me too long during lovemaking or sex or whatever you want to call it, that tends to freak me out. Like, divert. Look somewhere else. I mean, look at me in the eyes sometimes, but don't make me feel awkward. Four in ten also say that making love lasts longer than regular sex. I will say this. When I was younger and dating, even when I first started dating Steven, I thought and did, you know, have sex and expected it very regularly. I mean, I wanted it and made sure I got it like, you know, four times a week at least. Um, And of course, in the beginning of my relationship with my now husband, we had sex a lot. Um, I can definitely say that has tapered off a bit and so has the duration of the actual sex. But I'm okay with that. At 33 years old, I am totally okay with when we're intimate and we're getting our freak on, if that only lasts five or 10 minutes, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need a 30, 45 minute hour long session every time we're bumping skins. I got things to do. I'm tired. I want to go to sleep. I may be hungry. I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't want to do that. And, and neither does, neither does she down there. She doesn't want to do that <laughs> for an hour. Um, that's, I'm good. And thank God my husband and I are on the same page when it comes to that. 26% also say that there's a candlelit during lovemaking. And 59% say there is no choking in a lovemaking session. Just so you know, you freaks out there, if you're choking your partners, that's not lovemaking, that's sex. <laughs> Honestly, disclaimer, choke the hell out of them, don't kill them. <laughs> if, that was, if that is what gets your rocks off, I think that's totally okay. And another 55% say you absolutely cannot make love during an orgy. Honestly, I don't even, I, I, I completely agree with that one. If you are partaking in orgies, um, I don't see how you could feel like that is lovemaking, but maybe you can enlighten me. So please drop me a line and let me know and explain how you might feel that having sex during an orgy is actually lovemaking. So let's look at this. The top 10 ways making love differs from having sex. More passionate, more tender, more eye contact, longer amount of time. There's poised, post-coital cuddling, more talking, uh, sidebar, I don't, I don't, mm, I'm not a, I'm not a proponent of that. I don't need more talking, uh, more about my partner than me. Totally agree with that. I am a giver and let's see what else do they say? There's music playing. Definitely agree with that one. More than one position. Yeah. I mean, Steve's going to kill me for this, but I feel like, you know, we have like two or three go-to moves that we use in every session that just sort of just sort of works and we know what the deal is. Um, and then there's a candle lit. So let's see. Top 10 words for sex that are a turn off. Oh, let's look at this list. Fornicate. No lie, y'all. I would say fornicate all the time when I was dating and even when I was dating Steven. Um, 
you know, I identify as Christian and, you know, grew up in the church and everything. So having sex before marriage, you know, I knew it was taboo, not supposed to do in a sin. So early on in our relationship, every time we would do it, I would say after, like, I would just feel bad. And I would say, oh my gosh, we're fornicating. I can't believe we just fornicated. And that was such a turnoff for Stephen. But um, yeah, and I would even reference sex as fornication when I was talking to my girlfriends. I don't know. I was just quirky like that. So let's see. What else is a turnoff that you should not say? Oh, F-U-C-K. And, and young people are not supposed to be listening. So that's fuck. Um, that's supposed to be a turnoff, but that is not a turnoff for me. Let's see what else. Smash. I think when you're talking about sex, like to, to someone else, saying you sh- you smash someone I don't, I don't think it's a turnoff. Hump. Yeah, I can agree with hump. Pound. Yep. Bang. Shag. Screw. Hit a home run. I don't know anyone who, and, and maybe this is more of a guy thing, but I don't know anyone who's like, hey, I just hit a home run last night. No. How old are we? Is this like the sandlot? Goodness gracious. Ooh, I like this last one. Copulate. Oh, yeah, that would be a definite turnoff for me. So another story that piggybacked off of this topic in the New York Post living section reports that 45% of Americans think that their sex life is stuck in a rut, according to new research. The study, conducted by one poll in conjunction with Pink Cherry, explored the sexual routines and habits of 2,000 Americans and uncovered that a whopping 62% rely on the exact same positions each time they do the nasty. So yeah, I kind of, I kind of talked about that, you know, a couple minutes ago that Steven and I like have the same two or three positions and like every time we got to just, we kind of go through that, but that's not to say we're not spicing it up. Um, We do make efforts to do that because I think that's very important. So I make sure that Stephen and I are spicing it up. So how can you spice things up? You can try new sexual positions, having sex in different rooms. Ooh, the shower, in the bathtub, in your living room. If you have a sturdy dining room table, you can do it there. Oh, yeah, sex in a car. Um, Hopefully you're a little flexible unless you got like a truck or an SUV or something Ooh, sex in a hot tub that's a good one and you can use sex toys so don't be shy vibrators dildos if you're really kinky and freaky nipple clamps ball gags maybe if you're a little into BDSM and you want to explore that um and um I've just discovered um anal butt plugs but we'll save that for another time. So let's look at the top 10 items purchased from a sex toy store. Lubricant. Oh yeah. Vibrators, sexy lingerie. I love sexy lingerie. I love how it makes me feel. I love how he looks at me when I come out in it, even though, of course, it never stays on long. Um, I still like wearing it even though it's brief and I do enjoy buying it. Uh, I don't have a problem with that one. Dildos, handcuffs. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, okay. Cock rings. If that's, if that's what you're into. Sure. A male masturbator. I'm not, I'm not sure 
what a male masturbator is. Is that like one of those those fleshlights, like like the like a pocket pussy? <laughs> That's what I'm envisioning when they say a male masturbator. If I'm wrong, hit me up. Let me know. Feathers, eh? I think feathers could be used for lovemaking, but I don't know. Anyway, a sex swing. Ooh, that sounds like it could be fun. Oh my gosh! And this last one, y'all, a sex robot. I I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, side note though, that makes me think of here recently, a company just tried to open a brothel here in Houston full of sex robots, but that got shut down, which I don't really understand why. I mean, it's a robot. They don't have feelings instead of these people going out and, and doing it, you know, with other people or, or being evil or vicious about it. Why not do that with a robot? But I digress. Okay. So my thoughts and opinions on the sex toys is, is simply this using sex toys. is like double the fun. And I hope people, um, aren't only having fun and good sex on Valentine's day. Please don't wait for one day a year to have amazing sex. And uh, ladies, if you don't know, let me tell you now so you can start preparing because for years I have always reminded my girlfriends of this holiday that comes after Valentine's Day. So if you don't know, now you're going to know Steak and BJ Day. You need to get start getting ready for Steak and BJ Day. Um, if you don't know what it is, look it up. Basically, it's like the male version of Valentine's Day, but... It's real simple, steak and a BJ. (laughs) So you don't have to do a lot. And if you're one of those women who's just not really into oral sex and you only give it to your husband once or twice a year, please do it on steak and BJ day too. I think they'd really enjoy it. Well, oh gosh, that was a lot to digest and take in. I hope you all were able to get some tips and tricks and pointers, something that you can take away and actually use at home or in your own bedroom. Having good sex isn't just once a year. It should be happening multiple times a year. And it's okay to do what you're familiar with as far as sort of the same sex you know, over and over and over again, but hopefully that's not all the time. Try a new position, make sure both people are comfortable and just be adventurous. Don't be afraid to have fun. And if you know of any other exciting sex toys, drop me a line just for research purposes, because I would like to know, you know, what else is out there that I may be missing out on, you know, especially if you think some new fandangled toy is great. Steve and I, maybe not so much Steven, I would like to know about it. So drop me a line and let me know. You've been listening to Frankly with Faith. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and like. I welcome interaction, so feel free to shoot me a message with questions, tidbits, and stories. You can email me at franklywithfaith at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at frankly underscore with faith and check out the website at www.franklywithfaith.com. Remember to tune in next week for another Frankly with Faith 
delight.